Welcome back to the Iced Coffee Hour. So today we have a really special guest. We have Meet Kevin Pafraff, and he's going to tell us all about how much he's making this year, his tax write-offs, why he wants to buy a plane now, everything else about his business. It's a really interesting episode, and he also gets into uh, his thoughts on the market. Stay tuned if you want to see what's going to happen in 2022 right now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ice Coffee Hour. The podcast has made more than $69,420 to date. I don't know exactly how much, but let's just get into talking and drinking ice well, drinking. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Kevin. It's great to see you Thanks as so always. Much, Welcome. And this time in California. Yeah. It, well, back to California. Uh, I think I'm stuck here forever. <laughs> I think last time we talked about me wanting to leave and go to Vegas or something like yes. that. Yes. What, what happened to that? Can well, you tell you know us? What I, yeah, yeah. What, what I actually, one of the things I did is I just went to the extreme and I'm like, you know what? I should just move to Puerto Rico. Uh, and I should move there uh, half <laughs> half of uh, the the week essentially. Yeah. Go there for four days, work Monday through Thursday, <laughs> no. and then just fly back and forth from Puerto Rico. It's like a six and a half hour uh, one way, and just do that back and forth. Uh, and uh, I thought then my theory was I'll just work really hard during those four days, do the four day work week, and then the other three days do zero work and just spend time with Lauren and the kids or whatever. Uh, and then I would be mostly in Puerto Rico. If you start businesses there, you have to prove you have a, be- a more critical connection there, which that's probably one of the hard parts to do. But anyway, you could try it. And your tax rate would go down to like 4.5%. It would be tricky because your family is here. So there's like a criteria of like 20 different things on the form, like where you're registered to vote, what clubs you're part of, where your businesses are. So we were thinking of starting like five businesses there, like hiring dozens of employees and just trying to check everything else off on the list to kind of weigh the scale more to that uh, side. But it, yeah. in that, in that uh, you know, sort of thought experiment, I'm like, my goodness, let's just say as an example, you had $10 million of income. You would save somewhere around four, what, 0.75 or whatever million dollars in taxes doing that, which is just like <laughs> insane, right? You'd be paying virtually no taxes. Uh, but uh, the problem with that is, A, you'd have to go back and forth, mm-hmm. which is the pain in the butt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, number two, I, I would not see my family for those four days. And one of the things that we've, what I really like about working from home is I make a video come outside and I just wrestle with my kids or hang, go to breakfast but with Lauren. I would argue you might actually see your family more. That was my if, belief too. If you did the three days yeah. because you'd see them all day exactly, and you wouldn't work. Yeah. Could you actually though go a day without posting a video? Well, I almost believe that you would be like, hey kids, one sec. And then you'd get out your phone and be like, guys, the market just went crazy. It's about to flip. Yeah, that was another issue too is that I, I don't know if I could actually, and it, it sounds weird, like how could you not take a day off? So I did this thing where, gosh, maybe five years ago, I, my father-in-law says, you know, Kevin, you, you owe yourself. Just take a day off and just put your phone in a drawer. Just don't ask. Just do whatever you want just for a day. Take a day off. Do that every week. And so it became a thing. Like I'd have a, in a signature on my emails, Kevin takes Saturdays off to spend time with family. And so clients knew, just, just leave me alone that day. If you need someone else you know, to cover, like call somebody else who could cover me on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And uh, people really came to respect that. They're like, oh, that's so great. You spend time with family on, on Saturday. I did that for about a year. And I realized I was the most unhappy that Saturday over no. and over and over again. Yeah. I was like, I was a Grinch. I wasn't happy around being uh, uh, being around my family all day because I felt unproductive. I wasn't getting anything so I, done. Yeah. And, and so I was actually losing my mind. So I was, I was actually more bitter to Lauren. And so Saturdays were worse 
than than when I would like work. <laughs> and then, hey, Lauren, let's go to breakfast because like yeah. I, I feel great. Lauren wants to, you know, Lauren dropped the kids off for school. And I'm like, hey, um, let's go to breakfast. Give me 25 minutes. I got to bang out a video. <laughs> and I post that video. And then right after I post that video, I feel like I have like an hour and a half to just screw around. Because and then my anxiety starts setting in again. All right, I gotta go back to being productive. <laughs> so I'm so, curious yeah. though. Have you talked to a therapist about like the, no. the work? <laughs> I don't want to call it an addiction because well, I, I have, have a therapist. But because <laughs> I have the the exact same thing. But have you? But would you consider talking to someone and like getting to the root? I don't want to say the cause, yeah, but yeah. like what what's what's pushing you in that direction? Have you always been like that? Probably, okay. uh, and and I probably should. I think the right answer is yes because we so much characterize like mental health as like oh if you see a therapist you have a problem when that's not true no. at all. Like we should all be talking to somebody, uh, but we don't learn that in our schools that we should talk to people about how our mental health is. But yeah, I, I definitely feel broken. <laughs> like there's a lot of anxiety. I feel like I've always got to be working. Uh, it's even even when I came here, you guys are setting up, and I'm like oh what's yeah. the little terminal saying? <laughs> it's terminal, Christmas freaking yeah. Eve, man. Yeah, you know? it's so slow. That's what I hate. I like even weekends for me. I keep yeah. looking at CNBC. NBC and Wall Street Journal, I'm like it hasn't updated in like three hours. There's nothing there. Yeah. So this obsession is mainly just in work, or has this been in every facet of your life growing up? Uh, well, I mean, it it, um, it could be video games as well. Uh, when I was really obsessed with uh, playing, let's say, World of Warcraft or RuneScape, uh, every every opportunity. Like, for example, I'd be in high school, and I'm uh, like, this class is so dumb. I I can just do what I need to pass the test, but I don't actually need to be here. So I would try to find ways to leave my class. Uh, we had uh, a lockdown campus, though, so I would usually park where the construction site was, and the, none of the construction workers cared, and they had no security there. Mm. So I would go that way and then take my car and drive just to go play video games to, oh, because I'm wasting time in this class. I, I could be advancing. I could be leveling <laughs> up. Oh, it, it really feels like that. Like you get this anxiety. It's the same thing. Addiction. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Uh, and that's why I'm most happiest when I just posted a video because I feel like that's my opportunity to be like, okay, I'm going to go wrestle with the kids. I'll take them yeah. to the park. We'll go on a run. I feel the same way. It's <laughs> for me, it's always an hour after I post the video and it yeah. does well. Yes. If it yes. does, if it does bad, I'm thinking about it the entire night. How could I save the video? What could I change? What sort of title? And even though I could be present in, in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, what, what, what title, what title, what title, what could I do? What could I do? Oh yeah. So yeah, when it does well, that, that hour afterwards where there's nothing that I need to do. I think I just yeah. posted one that's probably uh, like a one to three. It is, oh, it's a one out of 10. Um, I watched it. Oh, what did was you? The title? Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, we are effed, Elon Musk agrees. agrees. <laughs> but, so but half the video, I would say 90% of the video has nothing to do with Elon Musk. Just <laughs> well, the first the first minute kind of does. that sets the, the standard for what we were talking about, like yeah. logic and, and, and research and reasoning. And, and then I wanted to give yeah. people some value too, like deep dive yeah. about that. But anyway, uh, I, yeah, so that feels great. You're right, yeah. when a video is doing really well. And so that gives me less anxiety for sure. I agree with you. And if I have a bad video, I'm usually like, all right, I gotta find another video to post, and then you go to the end of the day. And it's like, and Kevin had eight videos, today. <laughs> and they're all—they were like nines so, and tens. And it's like, oh, finally a one! All right, I'm going so, to bed. <laughs> so, for people that watch your video, is it ever the more videos you post, the more you keep posting until you hit out like a one, which is like a best performing video? So, if you post eight videos that day, I'm like, well, that means the other videos didn't perform that well, so you're posting more. Like, if you have a one right out the gate, yeah. Are you less inclined to make another video that yes. day? Yeah, really? absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so if, uh, days I post oh more, uh, sometimes... So I think there can be really great content, but sometimes the content is is a little niche down. So if I really want to talk about Rivian, 
only people who care about Rivian are going to watch that, right? Uh, and so those videos can be really information dense. I can do a fundamental analysis, and, and maybe they'll they'll be a eight, nine, or ten. Well, that it's like I just put in the most amount of work for a video that did the worst. Yeah. Sometimes the videos that are just off the cuff, like honestly, this one was just like Elon tweeted this, and then it got me thinking for 20, 30 minutes, whipped it out twenty minutes, and uh, and it's doing great. Sometimes those videos are just the best, the ones where it's just that fl- free flow of of what yeah. you're thinking compared to the fully researched ones i've noticed yeah (laughs) but first we want to thank our sponsor ritual hey guys the only thing that is more intimidating than these guns right here are the confusing ingredients that are in protein powders and the overall idea of them and the truth is deep down at a cellular level we all need protein and it's not just about muscles ritual's team of scientists reimagined protein from the ground up from how it's made to who it's for and why it's needed the result is a delicious plant-based protein offered in three premium formulations for distinct stages in your life that have different nutritional needs whether you're doing reps at the gym or you're more into walking dogs ritual's essential protein is is perfect for everyone. I personally make a protein shake twice a day and their 20 grams of pea plant protein keeps me going strong all day long. And Ritual's protein powder is made to satisfy your bones, brains, and muscles to help maintain your body as you age. So why not shake up your Ritual today? And to make trying something new less scary, Ritual offers a 100% money back guarantee if you're not in love. Plus, Iced Coffee Hour listeners can get 10% off your first three months by visiting ritual.com ICH to add your essential protein today. That's ritual.com slash ICH to get 10% off your first three months. Thank you so much, Ritual, for sponsoring this episode and back Back to to the the podcast. (laughs) Tell us about your team now, because my understanding is that now you have a few people that you've hired. We've hired people now. You know, can can we make the announcement about you, Jack? No, no, no. We can't make that yet? Well... Jack now you, is now looking, you have to. Jack is looking for his own Jack, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. hired out of, of a few of my projects right now. And it's really nice because then it gives me more time to focus on other things um, and more free time that I can just enjoy and spend working, working, you know, doing things. Oh, but yeah, no. I, I found someone to, to take care of a few things. For example, this podcast right now is being edited by a new person. Ooh, so, uh, Jack's shout got out a that Jack. New person. Yeah. Jack has got a Jack. It's really nice. Yeah. Will the audience know the difference? No. no. <laughs> because you know why? Uh, how long have you had this jack for? Like editing the podcast? Just in general. Uh, like, a month and a half. A okay. month and a half. Nobody's noticed. Yeah, no one said anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there is such a value to having uh, employees that, that can really help you advance. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there is a point where... And it's always this tipping point where sometimes you get to too many employees to where it feels like... You, you added another employee, but they're doing... Let me, let me rephrase this. Think about it this way. You add one employee, the productivity from that one person, amazing. Mm-hmm. It helps you out so much. You add another person, you get maybe 50%. Mm-hmm. You add another person, you get like 20%. It feels like sometimes there's that's this diminishing true. return. That's true. Diminishing yeah. marginal Gosh. utility. That's there you right. go. Gosh, Jack, see, that's what I've been yeah. telling Jack. Jack and I have been going back and forth over this. We, we agree on 90% of stuff. There's yeah. 10% that we don't agree on. And... You know, I want I have my way and Jack said on his way. But one of the things is hiring out people. And every guest we have on the podcast is like, you guys should be hiring that out. And they hear about my schedule. Oh, you're working 12 hours a day. You should be hiring that out. Find someone else to script your video. I'm like, you don't get it. But uh, they always say hire. And I see Jack's eyes just light up. He's like, we should hire. We need more people. And I'm telling Jack, no, no. I just don't think it, we're at that place where the diminishing <laughs> marginal utility I, is so low so, that it's not worth a basic salary. So not to not to uh, boost your ego here, Kevin, but 
I say look at Kevin. I get, you're the only example that I've that I've ever given Jack. I'm like, look at what Kevin's doing. Whatever Kevin's doing, I want to do that. Stop. Well, he's really. posting several times a day. And, right, and but, look, but look at the productivity. But look at the productivity. Right, but do you mean do you want to do that as well? I can't post. I can't post to as exactly, many so times. Kevin's yeah. not, I don't think it's a, a fair comparison, just based off of the, the types know. of videos. Well, I guess more yeah. more broadly, the the way to look at it is uh, at no point should you have too many employees to where you start feeling resentful like mm-hmm. the productivity is going down mm-hmm. i think that's the ultimate test and and i've gone through this many times uh, once with uh, my construction company once with the campaign and and then more recently where uh, i'll hire folks uh, same thing again construction campaign and more recently hire folks first lots of productivity second lots of productivity feels great love it then you add two three more or whatever now all of a sudden it's like oh no uh, the uh, the the last edition has not been what you expected potentially, mm-hmm. uh, and now all of a sudden, and this is the dangerous part, is if one person becomes less productive, everybody else sees mm-hmm. that as oh well, if they can get away with being less productive, let me be less productive, and then it hurts the whole ship. Right? That's mm-hmm. interesting, and that's dangerous, yeah. and it's so dangerous, especially if you're trying to build a company. Because imagine if you took if you had a, a five person team, and two of them were slackers, and but now you ten x this, and you mm-hmm. had a fifty person team. That means you have 20 people on payroll that you're paying that are actually hurting right. the other 30. That's yeah. really bad. So uh, it's really difficult to let people go, but sometimes it has to be done for, for the sake of, of, mm. uh, of growing properly, I think. And it's been really hard because I've done that uh, in the construction company. I've done that in the campaign. And uh, there'll always become a time where I have to do that again. Uh, I love hiring, but I've also been very frustrated because there are so many times I've looked and I'm like, Okay, I'm paying somebody for eight hours for something I can do in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when, like, when you're having those comparisons, that's when you know you have the wrong person for the job. Right. So that, that I think, uh, is, is... And I'm not expecting somebody to work the way I do. Yeah. But, like, like if something takes me two hours, it shouldn't take you 20. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and sometimes there's a training element to that as well, and some people just don't care. Uh, and that's a danger about us being public finance mm-hmm. uh, folks, is they see, oh, well, that's how much money you're making. Yes. You know, you owe me. And we see this a lot in society is that people have this belief that, well, you owe me a living wage. Well, you owe me, uh, you know, my rent or you owe me this. Well, my belief has always been you should provide your value first, uh, prove how good you are first, and then get paid. You're not getting paid more. Then it's time to move on, right? But, uh, for example, one, one... I'll just go back into the yeah. past. One person, and I'll stop talking about this. No, but, no, I uh, find it interesting. Yeah, 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 keep, keep, keep talking. Oh, keep talking. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll make a hypothetical example because I, I don't want to reveal numbers for their own privacy sake. But let's say somebody, and again, fake numbers here, uh, but similar scale. Let's say somebody started working uh, for $20,000. And uh, you're like, oh, my gosh, this person has this incredible perspective. They're, they're early to work. They're the last to work, uh, last to leave work. And they provide a perspective that's valuable, and they really care, even though they might make mistakes, which is totally normal. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are different from lack of caring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they put in the effort, and they try to get better every day. That person has, uh, in my world, gone from making 20K to making 60K to making 120K. Different mm-hmm. scale, larger scale, but that exists. And, and that, in my opinion, is what every... Uh, that's the goal, if you're going to hire folks, is you want to hire people where you're like... I, I value them so much, I will gladly pay them more. Uh, and if you're ever feeling bitter, they got to go. Uh, and that is probably my biggest weakness, is I don't let people go soon enough. 
You know, somebody told me yesterday, I went to sushi with them. He's, he's, uh, does wholesaling, uh, like uh, product wholesaling with mm. China. So he's in the depths with this whole supply chain nightmare. He does like um, uh, little gorbanza bags where they put, uh, I don't know, like Christmas things in or whatever. Mm. Anyway, he sells yeah, these. Sure. Bu- think about it like he buys them for five cents, sells them for a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. That's the goal. So he'll buy thousands of these. Anyway, so he's very experienced working with employees. And he's always said that, unfortunately... If somebody's not productive uh, in your company, you've hired them, what they're really doing is, is there's no difference between uh, them being unproductive and them just stealing from you at, at one point. And so he has this like really mm. extreme view of that. And, and I think this is a little too far, but he's like, if, if you're running a business and you want it to be successful and you don't want to go bankrupt, like 50 to 60% of businesses do go bankrupt, uh, then you almost have to be, and this is such an evil word, but he said it, you have to be a tyrant. And uh, to the point where if somebody's not productive, they got to go. And you, you always you want to give people warnings. You want to tr- be able to train people, yeah. right? So there's, there's always that. But beyond that, if somebody's uh, not caring and obviously their head's not in the right place, they don't care about the success of the business, they got to go. Uh, and so that's always been a big struggle for me because I, don't, I never want to be the guy that's like, oh, you're fired. <laughs> like That is like yeah. the, the worst possible thing. Like I just want to be able to say, I want to hire, 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 but I know I'll go bankrupt if I keep doing that. That's How many people do you have there right now? Uh, right now, I have, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, we just hired uh, an in-house CPA, and uh, that would bring us to five, and I should probably be at four. Tell me about this in-house CPA. Yeah. That's interesting. How does yeah. this work? Well, so one of the frustrating things that I've had is... Yeah, bookkeeping is is very complicated when you have multiple different businesses going on. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if you're running your own like mint.com and you have business and it's just a side hustle or something, you have a personal income and you have maybe what, like two or three transactions a day to look at. But if you have uh, multiple rental properties, multiple different businesses, uh, multiple different employees, uh, multiple different notices and insurances uh, that you have to deal with with the state and and uh, follow up on insurance policies to make sure you're protected in all these different ways, whether it's, uh, you know, every business has liability insurance, errors and emissions insurance, then there are umbrella insurances, and that's for every business. So we, we might have 20 or 30 insurance policies, and it's just exhausting. So we I can't do it myself, uh, and I've had a lot of problems trying to say, okay, well, I'll outsource and hire a bookkeeper, because the bookkeeper, I'll give them sort of my notes on what the expenses were. A really good trick that I think everybody can use, mm-hmm. quick tangent, is just use, like with Lauren, I use this little spreadsheet. So I have a little number spreadsheet on my phone. We're synced together. Every time I spend something, money, let's say I spent $7 yeah. on this, I'll put $7 personal expense or $18 business purchase for Amazon real estate. And then that way a bookkeeper can later go in and, and organize that sure. all and, and chart that all. Uh, but I've found that not having somebody in person is like a nightmare because I'll end up just getting an email from an outsourced bookkeeper every three months. And they're like, okay, here's all the things we have questions on. And I'd have to sit there for like 20 hours to answer their questions. And then at that point, it's like, I may as well just do it myself every day. So now I wanted to bring somebody in-house. So we'll probably pay them uh, you know, somewhere around $120,000 to $180,000. Somewhere that's about the range for that. Wow. But yeah. That's tax deductible. Right. And I expect that's going to save me a lot more in the event there was ever an audit in the future. Yeah. This would be the best insurance policy for that. Somebody who's like, okay, you spent money on that. Give me the receipt. I'm going to document it. I'm going to sort it. So if they're in-house, are they, how, how often do you see them? Well, I... I really like seeing employees every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I, w- I don't want to micromanage people, 
because I, I don't have the time to micromanage people. This is another difficult thing. Like people have to be self-motivated, uh, which I would love to hire self-motivated uh, computer programmers or editors to come, come work. Mm. But it's also hard to find people right now. But beyond that, uh, I like seeing people every day because that way if we sit down in a room in the morning, middle of the day, afternoon, like, okay, here are the latest problems. Okay, here are the latest questions. And, and so that way it's kind of like I post a video, I can go in, sit down and say, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? And we can solve things yeah. right away as opposed to like, oh, I got to get back to the emails or I got to call this person back. It's so much easier in person. That's interesting. That's what Jack and I were talking about, uh, gosh, not even a few weeks ago. Yeah, it would save us because it's already difficult enough to get paid between Graham and I because we have different set percentages on all of our different business ventures. And then there's net 30 on some payments, net 45, net 75 on some payments. Oh, yeah, the sponsors are a pain. And to balance all of that out is a total headache. For example, I just recently got paid from the month of July. That was like, sure. yeah, that, yeah. I think that was like la- like last week maybe, yeah. or the week prior, but just because it's so much of a headache to go through that entire spreadsheet. And not only that, but also like just bill collecting in general, when you have like tons of sponsorship revenue coming in all the time, or like frequent checks, you know, coming in, even his rental properties, oh, stuff gosh, like that, yeah. like dividing up the payment between Alex Graham and I on this, the family, the ice coffee hour clips, all this stuff. It would make sense to yeah. have someone just to handle it. We're doing just, it all ourselves, basically. Yeah, but for the time saved. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Trends. Jack, have you heard about Trends? No, I haven't. But man, I sure wish I had some sort of service that would tell me about all these new things that are coming out. Well, I have great news, man. Trends is exactly what you're looking for. Business and finance is an extremely competitive space, and it always feels like everyone around me is one step ahead. But that is until I got Trends. Trends is a networking hub with a thriving community of entrepreneurs and ambitious people. And they're constantly learning and collaborating on business ideas and projects. Trends even hosts live business training and Q&A sessions where you can learn the latest marketing tactics and fundraising strategies from their team of business analysts. And when you subscribe, you instantly get get access to the trends community, meaning you could potentially link up with other ambitious people kind of like yourself. Don't make the same mistake others have made and learn from the accumulated wisdom of people just like yourself that have made their dream a reality. Trends is a tool to help you find a very valuable mentor and guidance in the sometimes scary world of work and being an entrepreneur. Man, if only I had trends to teach me about trends months ago. So take advantage of this special offer that they're only giving to Iced Coffee Hour listeners. When you visit trends.co slash ICH, you can get a seven-day trial for just $1. That's trends.co slash ICH to get a seven-day trial for just $1. Thank you so much, Trends, for sponsoring this episode and... Back, back to the podcast. Yeah. And and see, there are some really cool uh, things <clears throat> that I think a great CPA can help you out on a lot as well. See, there's something called a research development tax credit. I'll give you a quick example of this. There's a limit to it. I think the limit's $250,000 a year. But uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say you spent uh, $500,000 on on a new business idea. Mm-hmm. That was a, a new innovation or something like that. Uh, well, you, So you can write that off. So in California, I'd, I'd uh, take a $500,000 write-off, which would save me about $250K in taxes. So I spent $500K on a new idea. That saves me $250K in taxes, which means I've taken $250,000 out of my pocket and, and spent it. Mm-hmm. Reality. But now there's this research and development tax credit where you can take 30% as a tax credit on top of that. So 30% of 500K is 150K credit uh, to wow. offset that 250K. So now I've actually only taken $100,000 out of my pocket to do $500,000 worth of work. That's really incredible. That's something to look into. That's the research development tax credit. And again, it has to be for something innovative and there are rules for it. You can only do it for five years, 250K max per year. So what did you spend that on this year? 
Well, I haven't this year, okay. uh, but uh, I plan to in the next years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Why didn't you do it for this year? You still well, got another week. Yeah, no. Come up with an idea, Kevin. Right. Well, uh, because I would want to maximize the whole credit. Yeah. See, the, like, I don't want to start it this year and then only use like 50K mm. because then you're, you're five years. One Got of those it. years is chopped off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If maybe I do, but see, this is where it'd be nice to have a CPA. We're like, oh, no, no, we do already have 250K. But, you know, Got it. accounting's a pain in the butt. It's body. too bad you wouldn't <laughs> be able to buy a $500,000 asset. Be yes. like, we're, we're testing this out as research and yes. we're going to buy this Picasso over here. Right. <laughs> that I'm going to uh, hang up in my living room yeah. for business purposes and, then, and uh, research it. <laughs> and that's the other thing that makes me so nervous now is that there are so many creative things you can do. But if, if you don't document it very well, yeah. you, you and, and then you have, you know, like an administration that we have now that talks about, okay, let's ramp up audits, 10x what we've been doing then you're going to have a cancerous audit that's going to live with you and you're just going to hate your life trying to go through that. If you have somebody in-house who does this full-time, I mean, that's obviously a different level. Like, I don't recommend that for everybody, right? But having good books is so, it gives you a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. Tell us about the other four people you have, though. Yeah. Uh, Well, so. What do they do? uh, Well, we we do various different things. Uh, The biggest thing that I'm trying to train folks to do, and it's so difficult, is is research. This is probably the most important thing, is trying to find good research. Uh, And there's plenty of research out there. It's just a matter of finding it. So uh, I have subscriptions to whether it's VandaTrack or Bloomberg Terminal or these other services, Mm -hmm. and they cost thousands of dollars a month. But to me, they're the cheapest employees because, you know, Bloomberg Terminal, I now get access to, let's say, 2,000 researchers uh, that that are consolidating information there. I don't have to pay for all those salaries, right? Mm -hmm. But now what we're trying to do is is find information. So that could be, oh, J.P. Morgan published an analyst report, and they see a trend happening in, I don't know, electric batteries or something like that, batteries for electric vehicles. Finding little pieces like that and putting them into larger bits of content is really useful, and I think it gives folks a reason to keep coming back to the channel. Uh, and so that's what I really like doing is finding unique perspectives or unique content that I haven't thought of before. So just as an example, uh, one of the things that uh, I thought of recently was uh, it seems like that and, and all the math kind of reiterated this, but just bottom line, it seems like the hedge funds are shorting stocks purposefully where retail investors are not investing mm. because they're scared about what happened with AMC and GameStop where they what hedge funds are really doing is I in the case of GameStop, I think they want a GameStop to go bankrupt. But most of the time, hedge funds are trying to protect their overall accounts from losing money. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they pick some stocks to hedge. In the event the market crashes, they think they'll pick up money on, on that hedge. Uh, so, But now they're worried about this whole Wall Street bets retail movement coming in and seeing, uh-oh, the short interest is high here. Let's all rush in and squeeze these hedgies out and burn them. When a lot of hedge funds, and I'm not trying to defend hedge funds, but there are definitely some crooked ones, but a lot of hedge funds are really just trying to make sure that if the market crashes, they don't lose everything and then yep. lose all their clients. Right. right. Uh, so, uh, what I noticed is there are four companies, particularly Lemonade, Shift Technology, uh, Corsair, and Tattoo Chef. Mm. Uh, Jeremy's, I know. Okay. These have all had substantial uh, declines in retail investments or even outflows. Mm. So, there's a service, I think it's like three thirty five hundred bucks a month or whatever. And they'll tell you where retail investors are investing or not. So they parse out, okay, here's retail, here's you know institutional. And when you notice that like tattoo, these four companies have had either zero retail inflows or net outflows, and the short interest is like 30 to 33%, 
it's a sign that hedge funds can take safety in shorting these companies because they're unlikely to get squeezed out. Mm-hmm. Now they can track that on the daily basis. And if all of a sudden you saw a retail spike, then they can see, oh, we don't necessarily have to go monitor every social media form. Somebody in the retail community is now pitching this stock. They see the spike, they can get out early. So it's that kind of information that I just love. And so I spend most of my day behind a computer screen trying to research stuff like that. <laughs> and, you, and you hire four people to do that with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, but most of that right now is me training because it's very like we don't teach that in school, right? Uh, the uh, like, for example, if I give uh, okay uh, an example here, I found this really really good uh, piece on uh, the New York Times. They did this phenomenal expose on certain YouTuber uh, Chinese travel bloggers getting paid by the Chinese Communist Party to make positive YouTube oh, videos that. and vlogs. Yeah. Wow. yeah, and it's really incredible about how uh, the New York Times even said uh, people uh, will have access to parts of China that uh, the media won't have access to, like Western media. So uh, Reuters, Associated Press, or whatever, they're not allowed in certain areas. But then these bloggers are, and then they get a catered experience. Yep. They go here, you know, these people are going to walk by or whatever, say nice things. It's funny you mentioned that because all of a sudden, I don't know how, but the YouTube algorithm sometimes recommends me just like stuff out the blue and then I watch it out of curiosity and now it's just like keeps recommending uh, North Korea, uh-huh. <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, and there was a, a tour guide who went through North Korea and it was like, this is what it's actually like. And it got like 8 million views in like a year. And it was a very similar thing. He acknowledged that it was a very catered tour, and, and they made it seem like everything is fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, but then that led to another video, to another video, to another video. And then I was watching this auto-documentary of the, the whole thing that went on with him. That's incredible. Uh, but, yeah, but it, it's crazy how they, are, they can spin the narrative. It's uh, propaganda coming <clears throat> to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, there's always, there always those jaded people in the comments that are like, oh, paid chill or whatever, like... I mean, we're not paid by <laughs> companies yeah. or corporations or whatever, unless we disclose a sponsor. But it's interesting to think that uh, countries would do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, and in that New York Times article, they even mentioned that uh, the Communist Party wanted the YouTubers to say things that were bad about the Communist Party as well, but to talk about how great traveling was. Like, oh, yeah, they do this. That's a little weird. But you know what? They're, they're, they're changing. They're changing. And kind of like mm. trying to acknowledge the stereotype, but then saying, but don't worry, it's getting better. And, and it's really mm. like this incredible psychology. <laughs> then you look at the comments, and all the comments are like, can't wait to plan my next trip to Shanghai. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, you know they planted those? Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really the like bots to the top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. So I thought that was incredible. But anyway, so I was going to say about the so employees and research. Yeah, right. Like, so I'll, I read that piece. I, you know, I had a coffee uh, a couple nights ago. I had a coffee at like 11 p.m. I'm like, I'm going to go. Jeez. The man. reason for that is, so I get, the, I get six newspapers every day. And I had gotten like a week behind. And when I get a week behind on newspapers, it's... This tall, <laughs> the staff. We're talking physical newspapers. Physical newspapers. Physical yeah. newspapers, yeah. okay. And uh, so I took the entire stack and a cup of coffee, and I went through it. And that was one of the articles I found. See, I found the article on, like, December 22nd, but it was actually published in the paper on uh, December, like, 16th. Hmm. Had I not had the physical paper, I would have never seen that story. 
Because the cool thing about the physical paper is it's kind of like blockchain. We go in through the blockchain, right? right? It's this record that doesn't change because it's there in paper. Right. Whereas like the websites are constantly updating. Every few hours, every yeah. Every few hours. Yeah. And, and so it's only the latest stuff, not the, the stuff that could be really interesting that's timeless. So anyway, uh, that's when I found that. And then I'm like, okay, hey, let's go deep on this. And, and I asked uh, somebody to like go to some of these different videos and like give me timestamps, mm. give me clips. Because I myself went through some of the videos and I'll say things. You know, some people say I'm I'm bought by the by the Chinese government after this article came out, but but I'm not. And and yeah, I read off a teleprompter, but I swear I'm not getting a script from the government. And like in the New York Times article, they're like these people are often getting scripts from the government. <laughs> it's hilarious. But could there actually be a chance though that yeah. they're being honest? Yes, of course, yeah. of course. Uh, I and and I think there's it's a mix of both. So I do think uh, there is. Uh, probably like, hey, say some nice things about us. We'll show you some exclusive areas. We'll take you to some exclusive restaurants. We'll pay that for you. And sometimes they'll acknowledge that. They'll say yeah. like, hey, you know, I'm getting this paid for. So I, I don't necessarily blame the creators so much. Maybe there should be a little bit more transparency, mm-hmm. especially with the comment section. <laughs> the comment section is sometimes a cesspool anyway. Uh, but it is, I think the more broadly interesting thing is uh, country propaganda now coming to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and then the reason I brought this up as well is uh, when when uh, working with, and this is where I'm trying to train uh, employees because you had asked about mm-hmm. that initially. Uh, this is where it becomes very, very difficult because my thinking is, okay, I want to be able to stitch together like a 20-minute video, putting together clips, comparing it to the article, comparing it to comments, clips, 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 and, and then this a deep dive, which would probably take me three hours to put together. Well, one person had worked on it for three days and I have no more than the summary of the article. And I'm like, I had the summary of the article that night. <laughs> I gave yeah, you the summary of the right. article. And so I've talked to them about that. Like, hey, let's, let's go through. Let's do this, this, this. But that's where sometimes I feel like I'm a bad boss because it's like, oh, I need to either train harder or there's a lack of motivation or uh, I'm just not being really clear with my expectations. I don't know. But that is one thing that does frustrate me. Stress right. me frustrate me about being yeah. an employer <laughs> no at that point definitely i feel like three days it's just lack of care and wouldn't they have kept you updated throughout that as well hey kevin this is taking a lot longer than i thought it would some people do and stuff like a lot of people are afraid to ask though or they're afraid to bring that up because they don't want to acknowledge that i'm having a difficult three time three days to yeah. come up with yeah. nothing yeah. virtually uh it's it's painful because then uh, the thought is, okay, well, maybe are they just misplaced? Is there something else that they yeah. could do? Uh, is there something else they could do better? Uh, but that's always so hard because sometimes you wonder, is it, are, are they in the right place at all? Uh, are they, um, do they not like me anymore? Are they resentful of me? Like, what, what happened? <laughs> you know? So it's you know, it's interesting. I was talking to, uh, I was with Jason Oppenheim last night, and we, yeah. we got together after a long time. I haven't seen him for a while. He mentioned to me that, that whatever you get in, like, the first month, usually that's what you're going to get. Oh, it, the people don't change. Yeah. Um, so he acknowledged that the people who are really pushing themselves, they'll do that from the very beginning. There's, there's nothing that you could do to incentivize someone to push themselves beyond what they're already doing. Um, so I, I, I believe that. And he's hired quite a few people, and, and he's not been shy about letting people go. They just don't fit. Very smart, quickly, yeah. He's a smart and shrewd business person. And I, yeah. I admire that about him. And, and so it's sad because, you know, again, you don't want to be the person that fires people. But yeah. But I did want to talk about something else. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I notice a lot of people, they give like real estate or mortgage advice on TikTok. And I'm just shaking my head and I'm like, okay. 
well, I, I, maybe I need to go in there and make something. And I'm not trying to say, like, my perspective is right. I just have a very particular perspective. <laughs> like, no, that's not the Kevin way. And again, you know, I it's, it sucks because everyone is, and I acknowledge TikTok is yeah. something that we should all be doing. Yeah. All of us know we should, it's like going to the gym. Like, you know, oh, you yeah. should be going to the gym every day, but you don't do it. Yeah. And TikTok is one of those things for me where it's just, I can't, I can't seem to get into it. And it's so, I don't like how basic it is. Like I see the people yeah. doing well. Sure. And uh, Mark Tilbury is a perfect example mm-hmm. of someone who's done TikTok incredibly well. He's done everything right for TikTok, wow. but it's so basic and i like that's how i started on youtube is doing this really basic videos like the three best index funds to buy and like what an index fund is i can't bring myself to do that again but he's doing it and it's doing so well i think it's because you're trying to mentally grow and you've so checked out of the basics uh i I have empathize with this uh that it's kind of like oh do i really want to explain whether you should pay down your 30-year fixed-rate mortgage at 3% or not. You know, do you want to pay that off? Or <laughs> yeah. Do I really want to go through that again? Uh, and, and I get it. Like, I'd rather be like, oh, my gosh, like, what is the latest Barclays research and yeah. finding the latest cutting-edge thing that's going on or whatever. Uh, that makes me excited, and I feel really successful doing that. But that stuff doesn't do well on TikTok. <laughs> no. But you have to realize, too, it, it, for myself, is that, like, this is a new audience. Like, you're saying yes, this to new true. people who yes. have never seen you before. Yeah. And have no idea what they're doing. Honestly, even if yeah. you posted uh, those original videos again, uh, or, or just remade them on your main channel, there'd probably be a lot of people who are part of your new audience that had. Yeah, seen well, that's what I do every now and then. Is I take the old videos that have done well from like two to three years ago, and I'm like, how can I just update this Refresher. and make it better? And uh, there's definitely, I would say, the, the maybe the, the few percent of people who notice that Graham, you made this video three years ago. Yeah. But well, nobody goes back don't and watch watches, it. Nobody goes back and watches <laughs> the old videos. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But but I mean, those people are like, I've seen this before. It's like, okay, and click out and yeah. wait for the next one. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, I I agree with you. You know, the most fun I've had on a video recently was the uh, metaverse video, and that was oh. that was your idea, Jack. And what was it out of ten? Was it out of ten? Oh, it was a two. That's good. It it almost tied with the one. It was like a few thousand views away from the one, but the one just kept doing better. But uh, yeah, it was a new topic that I just immersed myself in for 48 hours. I spent a long time on that video doing everything I could. I loved it. That's fine. So much fun. Yeah. And that's new. See, because now you walk away from that with all this extra knowledge too about the metaverse. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to uh, reinforce in Graham is that he needs to do new stuff because that's what you're great at. You're constantly reading stuff and keeping people up to date on like all these new things that are happening. But a lot of the times, like we're still posting videos like credit cards, like how to increase your credit score. And I know that those do well. But at the same time, if you push the envelope a little bit, like Andre's doing as well with like the metaverse stuff, and he even did an options video, which you've never wanted to explore. Yeah. Pushing the envelope a little bit and trying out new things, I think is the only way that you can just not die out as a YouTube channel. All right. Because people don't want to see the same thing over yeah. and over again. But do you worry about that? I have a feeling you feel the same way about like every day is the same. For the market opens, market closes. Mm. Do you feel like every day is like, oh, you know, we're doing Neo again. <laughs> Neo's uh, up to 33, Tesla's down. Yeah. I mean, to some yeah. degree, uh, you had actually mentioned that you like watching. I love them. Yeah, so yeah. maybe, maybe I think the question is for you. <laughs> uh, we got to ask you, Graham, because yeah, I mean, something like I wake up and I'm like, oh, I got to 
gotta, you know, it's early. I gotta yeah. do the market open and the market close. And sometimes I'll be in the middle of research in the middle of the day, like, ah, I've gotta go do that market close, right? Yeah. So it feels like a little bit of a wedge in the day. Uh, I enjoy doing it, doing it, and obviously people like it. But mm -hmm. I don't know, Graham, why do you like it? You know what? So I'll be honest. I've seen every single one of your live stream for the last few months. Uh, well, actually, really since the beginning. I watched them all to speed, uh, beginning to end. Wow. Every single one. I don't think I've missed a live stream from you. Oh. And in the morning, it's, it's because it's become a part of my morning routine where I don't start the day until I turn on your live stream and I have my coffee and I'm, I'm like, you know, doing my own research while listening to yours. Same with the, oh. the market end. Uh, the part I don't like sometimes is I feel like sometimes the, the stock is a little repetitive when you're going through every stock individually and like mm. this one's up, That's this feedback. one's down, this is up. I love the news. Oh, okay. When you go through the news, what's on the Bloomberg terminal? Let, let's do this. I li you know, the stocks are good, but yeah. I think the news is interesting. And I wonder if you, if you took 15 minutes before, and, and before doing a live stream yes. to plan out the top five news articles that you okay. want to cover and talk about, just even if you glance over it, just a headline and a few sentences. Here's a two-minute summary on this one. Two-minute yeah. summary on this one. I think that's what would make a difference because oh, I love the I'll, news. I'll write that down. Yeah. Thank you. I, like I, like the, that. I like the news portion of that the best. What about um, tax write-offs? Have you thought about tax write-offs oh, this year? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I oh, I didn't tell you guys. You didn't Neither tell me. one of you guys. Uh, so I was talking to Brandon Turner, who introduced me to this guy who he says is like the number one commercial wholesaler. And I was blown away at this guy. He's like 30 years old. We could get him on the podcast. If you, if you guys want to see him on the podcast, just let us know. He's 30 years old. He's already got $100 million worth of real estate. Uh, and he, himself or like himself under management himself oh wow himself wow. started from nothing as a as a wholesaler but he's that good okay. and uh, his thing is basically he'll he'll find like a vacant building and he'll do all the work to basically say if you buy this building we could get this tenant in, the, in, in there and the tenant's going to start they're going to sign a tenure like big tenants are going to mm -hmm. sign a tenure lease and he just has the connections he's so knowledgeable but I explained the situation to him and I said you know I got like two weeks uh, and I got this big tax bill coming up and I would love to spend enough on a property to write off that tax bill. And he came to me with a deal. It didn't work out because I, I, he couldn't guarantee that it would close by the end of the year. And it was a lot of work. But it was like 80 units in, in Minneapolis. And it was a fixer-upper. So oh, he's man. like, and it was $22 million. And he said the seller, uh, the, the seller was willing to carry some of the loan. Mm -hmm. um, I love this deal. Honestly, wow. it's just I, I couldn't guarantee to close. And it would be a lot of work. So he says you're going to be spending probably the next six to eight months fixing it up. And I'm like, I can't do that. But uh, basically, I take all my cash that I have sitting on the sidelines for taxes, and I put it into this building instead. And cost segregated. Cost segregated. The but, first year write-off was almost $6 million in the first year. But it year. has to be in service for you to get the write-off. So you would have had to, I guess, call it in service with the existing tenants and then renovate yep. it? Or, okay, I guess you could do that. Yeah, yeah well, that's one of the cool things about being in the real estate industry is you could take that, that loss against some of your other ordinary income. Correct. But I don't, it's not necessarily open to everybody, but uh, unless you're like a broker. Or in, in right. So the downside, though, couldn't guarantee to close by the yeah. end of the year. So that wouldn't work. So it didn't, from that standpoint, but also it was more work than I wanted to take on. And for such a big purchase, like that's a purchase that I would probably spend a month or two like <laughs> really analyzing. And, to, and he's like, if you need this deal, 
you have to get everything into the lender by 6 p.m. today. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. I have until 6 p.m. They've already done appraisers. Uh, they, they've done everything on wow. it. But uh, yeah, I would be yeah. curious to know. Like, I think this would be an interesting podcast guest because how, so what did they start with? Uh, and, and I am skeptical that uh, they have a hundred million dollar portfolio themselves. I mean, maybe they do. Mm-hmm. They could do that with, you know, uh, I mean, maybe it was $20 million uh, of, of equity that, uh, was a really good deal and then financed that they were able to balloon into a hundred mm-hmm. million dollar portfolio. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm sure there's, there's obviously going to be debt. Uh, oh, yeah. still, yeah. I mean, even if there's $65 million of debt, Doesn't matter. uh, or even $50 million of debt, that's still a lot yeah. that that's created by 30. So it'd be really interesting to see how that built up. Right. Uh, so I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah. The obviously. other option is, so this year I basically, I'm going to pay a big tax bill. It yeah. just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I waited too long. So that was my fault on that. But, uh, the other option I was thinking about maybe doing something with Brandon, Brandon okay. Turner from Bigger Pockets, and maybe we could work together on a deal, and I could go in 50-50 with him or so, something like so that. He's I think doing might be like mobile homes, right correct? Now. He has yeah. a syndicate where he's correct. basically buying parks. Yeah. There. Okay. Okay. But it was interesting yeah. to hear him talking about mobile homes and how yeah. he runs that business, and it's it's the cash flow from these mobile homes sure. is incredible I to think. to make twelve to fifteen percent. Uh, to have very little responsibility other than management, like you're not mm. fixing up these these mobile homes yourself; mm. they own them. You're, you're renting, just renting the land, the land. Yeah. correct? Very interesting. But and then sometimes you could buy the mobile homes and then sell them, and then you're carrying basically this this mobile home sure. that you own. But what kind of how could you cost segregate? Because you can't depreciate land, so how do you get a tax write off doing that? Buying the mobile homes and then selling oh, them, the yeah, yeah, right, and then selling okay. them to the people who live there. Oh, I see. And so okay. instead of taking out a mortgage on a house, you are mm. basically you are the lender for the asset that you own. Oh, I see. Okay, you yeah. guys are lending on them. Is Correct. What he's doing as well. That's yeah. incredible because then you're almost it's almost like you're buying inventory. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> these, these, yeah. Because they're like registered with a DMV. Right. right. Yeah. So that's that's very interesting. Uh, there are so many creative things uh, you can do. Uh, sometimes I worry that uh, that end of the year rushed for tax write-offs leads to bad decisions, which I almost made. Yep. <laughs> what was your bad decision? I wanted to buy a plane. Oh, <laughs> the, Grant, the Grant Cardone <laughs> this is a clip method. Right here. This is a clip. <laughs> the Grant Cardone method. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, it's mostly because I, I also... You could put KP on the side of the plane. <laughs> It's just me lying down, and then right Half where the capital. right where the landing gear comes out, it's like right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. it, what's interesting about it is, so picture this. I'm just going to use round numbers here to make an example. Let's say you had a twenty million dollars of income, and you bought a twenty million dollar plane. You put ten percent down on it. That means you're putting two million dollars down, and then you're saving about ten million dollars in taxes. Yeah. Uh, that tax write-off would pay probably for operating a plane for three to maybe three and a half years. Pilots, hangar fees, landing fees, gas, maintenance, they're expensive. It's crazy. Uh, the problem with this is, uh, well, multifolded. Uh, one, you have to have a really good use for the plane. The Puerto Rico idea would have made a lot of sense yeah. that we talked about earlier. <laughs> now, that would make a lot of sense to have your own plane for. Uh, the the Second problem, though, is if you ever had to resell it, you'd have you'd be hit with all the depreciation recapture. The recapture, yeah. So let's say now you is that taxed as ordin- that's ordinary income then the recapture? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's not a capital investment; it'd just be ordinary income. So uh, that would be really bad <laughs> because then, let's say in three years, you're like, I'm going to sell this plane. You sell it for fifteen million or whatever. All of that fifteen would be taxed, so you're mm-hmm. paying seven and a half or whatever in taxes, uh, which would hurt. Yeah, but then the probably the biggest thing that really hurt everything for for all of the math that I was doing besides purposes for it 
is uh, the amount of inflation you have right now and uh, in in plane values. So people mm. are selling planes today for uh, $25 million that they bought for $22 million. No. Why? Two or three years ago. Because if you, uh, well, first of all, because it is such a lucrative tax advantage, people <laughs> are like, I don't care. I want it, right? Like I want the tax write-off. But the airplane manufacturers are so behind because they can't get chips or parts out of China or whatever. They're, yeah. they're dealing with labor shortages. Like there's this uh, airline manufacturer uh, or airplane manufacturer called Embraer. Uh, if I wanted to buy a Phenom 300, which is like an $8 million list price plane, uh, and, and it could get me around California, probably to Texas. I don't think I could get to Florida without stopping, but I could get to Texas. So it'd be a really good like middle of the United States and West Coast. Like if you were going to do a real estate fund or something, you could get yeah. around easily. And then, you know, I get an airport 10 minutes away in Oxnard, which is really cool and convenient. But anyway, uh, if I wanted to buy one new, I would have to wait until the summer of 2023 to get one. And if I bought a used one, I'll be overpaying. So now imagine this worst case scenario. You take the tax write-off, you buy a plane. After three years, you realize you don't need it. Now, not only did you overpay, so your depreciation is, is like massive, mm -hmm. like your loss on actually having that asset is massive. But then you're paying depreciation, recapture the extra taxes. You'd get screwed. Uh, so, and it's just like, do you really need it? Is is probably the bigger question, uh, as opposed to just being. That's interested. really interesting. It makes sense because used cars right now are insane. Mm -hmm. So, what's cool? The Ford GT I bought, I paid three oh six for it. One just sold with the almost identical mileage on it for three ninety, and that wow. was that was only eight months. What maybe eight eight or nine months later. So that car did just as well as the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I don't think it'll last. I'm no, not trying to, I don't think so. No, no, no. I'm not trying to slam your car. No, <laughs> no, no. That's also a concern that I have about buying something like, if you bought a plane, let's say, and you overpaid for it, well, then you're but, literally buying at the top well, of the market. For, well, you know here, here's, here's my thought. Let's say the market does end up going down or it softens yes. for cars like that. Okay. My thought is that the people buying those planes or buying those cars are in a position where they don't need to sell it yes. at yes. a loss. Yes, correct. So, like, for me, for example, let's say I did pay the 390 for this car, and now it's worth 330 Yes. I'd just be like, ah, you know what? You know, unless I need to sell it, I'm not going to sell it. I'm just going to hold it. And, so it's a bit of a different market. Like, the uh, art market's very similar. But see, uh, the HODL costs for art are like zero, minus maybe some insurance. The mm -hmm. HODL costs for your car. I mean, what is it going to cost you to maintain your car in your garage? Your uh, show probably, car? I don't know, two grand a year max. Oh, yeah, it's not right. much, yeah. But The, the HODL yeah. costs for a $20 million plane are probably $1.5 mm. to $2 million a year. Yeah, That's true. Hangar fees. There's limited hangar space because everybody wants a plane now. How much does a hangar cost? Uh, you know, I, I have kind of just lumped it all together that my, my uh, fixed costs for oh, a $20 million sure. dollar plane yeah, yeah. Are, are about one and a half to two. That's uh, crazy. That's fixed. Gas. I, uh, my understanding is be part of the variable. The hangar fees oh, could be like five to 6,000 or I guess three to 7,000 a month, depending on the size of the plane, right? I mean, the way, just, just to, I mean, quick, quick math, it was probably something to the effect of a hundred grand a month as your payment. On the plane, right? Yeah, right. Uh, you're probably looking at uh, somewhere around a depreciation of um, one and a half uh, a, a year, <laughs> you know, in some of these in depreciation, right? Just yeah, lost value. Sure. That's not even a cost. That's just, you know, yeah, your yeah. asset value is losing one and a half a year. Because if that plane is 10 years old, it's going to be worth half as much as it is now. It's not an depreciating asset like real estate. Uh, then you have. Uh, 
yeah, uh, the maintenance stuff breaks. Yeah. Uh, and so you don't want stuff to break when you're in the sky. So you're paying uh, massive uh, warranty programs, uh, massive fees for warranty programs. So that way your engines hopefully don't break and, and little sensors don't break. They were showing me, because I visited some of the planes, uh, they were showing me that one of these little needle sensors, it looked about this long maybe, mm-hmm. uh, just a little needle that came out of the front of the plane, measures uh, altitude and all these uh, altimeters. I don't know. I don't know plane stuff. It measures a bunch of stuff. They said if that, somebody just like walked into it and like bent it a little bit and we had to replace it, it'd be $75,000. Oh, yikes. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah, That's right. this little tiny thing. You want to paint the plane? Because you can't wrap a plane. You have to paint. The plane. Why can't you wrap it? Well, because oh, then deciding you have is to it keep just, it painted. Okay. So, well, I mean, she don't. Uh, but I mean, like, <laughs> just I wanted to paint myself on it because that's what I do. <laughs> Crazy, oh, stupid no, stuff. No, really. But uh, you you can't wrap it because you put your every, phone number on the side of it. <laughs> absolutely, man. Uh, everything that you do uh, in aerospace has to be approved by the uh, FAA, mm-hmm. and anything that increases the drag on the outside, no, no, because now you've changed all of the calculations for the plane. You want to paint the outside of the plane? This plane we're looking at, three hundred thousand dollars. No yeah. way. You want? Listen to this. So interior, you have like lumber yeah. for, for the the uh, next to the upholstery. You know where your armrests are and, and whatever. And you wanted that to look good. Uh, you uh, you could restain it all for two hundred eighty thousand dollars, just for restaining the lumber inside of the plane, uh, which is so different. Is that due to like regulations, or is that due? Because I feel like you could just pay a handy yeah, man to right? like stain it, right? So any change to a plane has to, again, be certified. Uh, so certifications. Oh, the in- inside stuff Everything. Well. You cannot. Do, really? You can't change anything on the inside. Like, let's see so a faucet. Are they going to know? Do people do is, is it like a rental property where it's like, yeah, you're supposed to put the AC in with a permit, but people do it without it I mean, all here's the, time. the thing. Uh, I was actually thinking about wanting to do like the Mile High podcast and do like a podcast on it. It's a great name for the podcast. Yeah, now somebody's going to take it. <laughs> um, but so I was thinking about that. Uh, but the problem is, if you're flying, it's noisy. You could use good yeah. microphones. That's useful. But where are you going to fly? You're just going to fly in circles and waste a bunch of gas. Like that's that's very bad. Yeah. Like, people you are going to use it as a set, that. though. Right. So, but then you yeah. use it as a set. Have you ever been on a plane when it's on the ground and you're like, please get in the air because it's so hot? You ever get that feeling? No. Well, you don't, Wouldn't you, you have like recirculating yeah. air? And so let me see. I'll, I'll, okay. You could so build my, a set my, that just looks like a plane. My question honestly. to you all didn't work, but every time I get on a plane, I'm like, please turn the freaking air on. And it isn't until you're actually getting airborne that you're getting really good circulation. Uh, maybe people in the comments can justify me <laughs> here. But um, so I asked them to close all of the little things and we closed them up and we cranked the AC there because you know, you know, my studio, yeah. it's ice cold in there. They cranked the AC and I'm like, it's hot. You're sitting on the tarmac, black. You know that heat is reflecting up. It sucked. Uh, it was not a good set. Like you said, it would be better to just build a fake set yeah. that looks like you're inside of a plane than actually film inside a plane. I wanted to mount cameras and lights, and I'm like, oh well, I could just use like clamps or whatever. Nope, no, 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 no. You change anything to the weight dynamics or whatever. It's a cluster f. I think uh, if you're looking for a good write-off this year. Do the plane idea. I like. I hate to. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm giving Kevin like a, a way to compete with us now. Because Kevin's <laughs> going to do well doing the Mile High podcast. Hey man, I'm a abundance mentality type of guy. Really, I'm yeah. more of a keep it to ourselves no, kind of guy. Let's not give Kevin any ideas. Podcast, it gets translated to you. If if you did, yeah. uh, like you had the plane here mm-hmm. and you had like the really nice seats and you had 
uh, like uh, LCD or LED screens as the the windows, and you could project like lightning and stuff like that. Like, you, how cool would that be? Or you could project like you know clouds, like kind of like passing by or whatnot, as though you're in an airplane. Yeah, and you could even like if you want to go crazy, you could do it. <laughs> As though, like, you rotate the, uh, the the cameras a little bit to make it seem like you're taking that off. That would be cool. And you could act it. Like, all right, we're going to take off now mm. with our guests, and you rotate the cameras a little bit, make it seem like you're going back. Or you put the whole thing on a hydraulic. You know, oh so it's like some of those things that actually... It's getting some turbulence sometimes, but it's just the camera shaking. That would be funny. Or, no, you actually have it as though, like, the whole set kind of, like, moves up and down, and your <laughs> drinks kind of shake and whatnot. So... So I went, uh, so I did a, the podcast with uh, Cody Co's people recently and check out their set. So they you have, did that? yeah, I did that. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't with Cody Co. It was their trillionaire mindset, the trillionaire mindset or something. Oh. So that, yeah. But anyway, that's their set and they have it so that these are screens, the giant TVs basically that they have mounted here that make it seem like you're in space, mm. the whole thing. And so like the, constantly... Everything seems like you're just in space. Airdrop that to me. Yeah, it's yeah. so. Oh, yeah, well, one of the things that I've noticed is uh, I honestly don't know how much people care about the set. People come for the value uh, of the content. Now, that's a thesis that I have. I could be set wrong. matters. Okay, that's yep. your opinion. <laughs> no, nope, that's a, nope. That's a, that's a fact. And I'll I'll I saw I saw your video about an argument. You want me to make an argument? <laughs> so I've done both without a set and with a set. Mm. My videos have done substantially better with a set. The iced coffee hour, I noticed an almost immediate difference when we did the set. I told Jack I didn't think the set mattered at all. Mm. I liked the couch approach because I thought, like, oh, casual, you know, it's, just, it's, it's more casual. It's more natural having a real conversation. And, uh, you know, I didn't think it was needed. We did the set almost immediately. The videos started doing better. I think it adds a sense of uh, professionalism. And when people are, even even when you're accounted for any better retention, like do you think your videos would be a 5% better retention, even 1% better retention with a nice set? Well, uh, so I, I agree with you. I think it, mm-hmm. like having a beautiful set has, has its benefits. Uh, uh, and, and who knows, maybe they'll, they'll encourage people to come back more. But uh, personally... I think the most important thing in in our space compared to like a a vlogger's kind of podcast Mm -hmm. or or an entertainer's kind of podcast, I think uh, in in our space, we're always trying to provide value to people. Like, hey, here's a new way for you to make money. Here's a new way to think about something. Here's a way to succeed or whatever. I think if if that's missing, I don't care what set you got. Nobody's watching your crap. Uh, Whereas you could be in front of a wall. If you're providing the best information possible, people love you. Look just as an example. Look at... The guy, uh, uh, Dr. John Campbell, maybe maybe put like a little B-roll of his setup mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just him in front of his his uh, uh, laptop webcam, and then he has a, a paper camera where he shows like some of his statistics on a piece of paper, and he moves it around, and you see his finger on it or whatever. Nobody cares at all about his set. The guy's got like, over the last month because of Omicron, mm-hmm. he got 100 million views in a month. Nobody cares at all. What do they care about? This guy knows what he's talking about. He's knowledgeable. He's researched. But I want the facts. Can you sustain that? And that's no, the thing. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I don't think because we actually saw the views on his channel ramp during the initial COVID surge, but then plummet substantially mm-hmm. when when COVID wasn't a big topic anymore. So you're right. So that's where maybe does maybe the set help with sustainability? I don't know. What do you think? 
I think it matters, but there's extreme diminishing marginal utility as we discussed. Pr- oh yeah, I agree with that. With set, so it's okay. like as long as you have a good set, mm-hmm. you're fine. Good enough. But like okay. realistically, you could drop like easily two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars on like a super nice set. Mm-hmm. But like it's not going to have. I don't think it could necessarily bring that much value back to you if you already have a five to ten thousand dollars set. For example, the iced coffee hour set. All in with cameras and everything is about twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. No way. No. These three yeah. cameras are worth more than that. <laughs> Round it to no, thirty. It's, it's, okay. Well, we got the, the custom table for free. So oh. if oh. we throw that in, yeah. maybe it'd be like closer to twenty thousand dollars. But still, at the same point, it's like we could have a two, three. Like I mean, yeah. If we you know shelled out the cash or whatever, but I don't know if it would necessarily bring us back that much value. I agree. Even in the next like three years. Yeah, that's also true. Just because it's good point. enough. But that, okay, that's the fair. couch was not good enough. That was really not. I mean, good I, I okay. I think that's a fair middle ground. It's like, hey, we've got a uh, good enough set. Good enough cameras. Like, I've always asked, like, oh, should I make a new set? Would it bring... Remember, we went no. to Disney, or what was it, Disney or Hollywood? Whatever, whatever oh, Harry Potter Oh, Disneyland. Is. The, the Harry Potter... What, was we, it Disneyland? We saw the bookshelf or? in the Harry Potter... Uh, Universal. Uh, right. Yeah, no. whichever it was. We went on the Harry Disneyland, Potter ride. Yeah. And uh, wherever the Harry Potter ride is, we went on that, and there was this really sick library set up. I love that Where it set. looked like a sorcerer's table and all these books, and it was... It was a gorgeous set. Yeah. I mean, that set design is probably worth half a mil right there. It was so good. Would people watch my videos more because of that set? In a way, I do think uh, the answer could be yes. But then, and this is the hard question, is would it bring us that money back? And see, this is right, the question that I had to make or, or ask myself with plane as well, is like if I'm spending $3 million a year on, on a plane after my tax write-off period pays for itself. So first three years free, basically, because of the tax write-off, and then I pay $3 million a year for the plane. Am I going to make $3 million more per year because I have this? And if the answer is, sure, you'll make $3 million more per year, is it worth breaking even? <laughs> like, it, I have to have a return on it to do yeah, it, right? right. Uh, and, and I think sometimes we get lost, in, and this happened to me. Like, I, I admit, I almost screwed up. Like, I got so caught up in, I should do it, I should take the tax write-off, but then I haven't really proven the need for it yet or the return on that. And it's the opposite of what mm-hmm. I do in real estate. Like, would I buy a house because I'm like, oh, I, I really love this house. It's, it, my, my tenants are going to love this. Or am I going to buy a rental property because the numbers make sense? Either it cash flows really well or it's an upside-down deal, like a wedge mm-hmm. deal, right? Yeah. Like, I do that for real estate. Why would I not do that with, with a plane? And so that's when I finally realized. I'm like, all right. I'll yeah, I, I would argue, realistically, if you're going to drop $300,000 on a new set, yeah. you would get a way better ROI paying someone, even if it's a hundred grand, to just post stuff on TikTok. Ooh. If you're looking at ROI, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. ROI probably right. you would get way much more value doing that than ah. spending You know what? Money. A daily news segment would actually be really, and you could do this so easily, just daily news segment. 45 seconds where oh, you just yeah. summarize 10 and, but, seconds a topic yeah exactly ideas that would do really well mm-hmm. I would try that Kevin for mm-hmm. 30 days and you don't even have to post 7 days a week 5 days a week at, and you have to stay consistent like 4pm a day Monday through Friday That's 45 good. seconds like 45 seconds here's what's happened in the market today and I have a feeling in the beginning you're not going to do much because people are going to be scrolling TikTok and be like eh you know I'm not interested I think after 30 days of you doing that, you're going to gain such a loyal audience who's going to look forward to that. That's a I very agree. good idea. Yeah. yeah, I wrote it down, and that's I like. That's that. a trick yeah. with TikTok. Gonna, it just I, has I to be quick. When I say I might do that, I should yeah. tell myself yeah. I will and, do that. And and the good again. thing with that with you is that I know you could do it in one take. Oh. And I think your total. <laughs> I honestly, I think your total time commitment per day on that because yeah. you've already done the research anyway is probably five minutes a day. 
realistically. So a very good idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I encourage people. It's like, you know, this is a big question where I think we always get all the time too. Is like, hey, I want to be a creator too. Like, what should I do? Post, just freaking post. And and this is what I'm literally not doing on TikTok because I'm just not posting. And people are like, oh, but I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make. Well, make, try it. Try ten different things on TikTok. Try ten different things on YouTube. And guess what? After a month, you're gonna look back and go, well, that did well. That failed. Okay, do more. What does well? Mm-hmm. That could do well, but I'll only know if I try it. You know what? Speaking of which, I called it first. If we could do a TikTok at the end of this. Oh, okay. With you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm, I'm happy. Happy. To I do called that. it first. I All said right. it first. It was my idea, Jack. Okay, thank you. Thank you. My idea. I look. I, I think it's uh, the collaboration. That's it's so <clears> awesome. Um, what about? Um, so for next year, what are you going to yeah. do tax-wise? You're going to go buy real, property, real estate. Yeah. I'm I'm like ninety-five percent set on buying a property because I I got uh, how much did I get? I got seven million invested in stocks this year. Okay, and congratulations. I basically yeah. So I I I wanted my stocks in real estate to almost be fifty-fifty, right. and when I count equity in the real estate versus equity in the stocks, it's almost fifty-fifty. Actually, it would be fifty-fifty. You count. Uh, like cryptocurrency and stuff like that. I would count that. Together, so yeah. yeah, so I hit my goal this year to be fifty-fifty between stocks and real estate on that. So now I think I want to get back to real estate, but oh, just because I think the tax write-ups are so great, yes. and I'm realizing too, like I got in the stocks thinking, ooh, you know, if I spent three percent a year, then that could be, you know, whatever three percent of seven million, you know, two ten a year, I could live off of and passive income forever. Right. right. And then I'm thinking to myself, well. Realistic, I'm never going to sell. Like, I look at the dividends, and that, that portfolio generates, I think it's $58,000 a year in dividends. Wow. And I think to myself, well, I'm just going to live off the 58. There you go. Why live off the 210? Uh-huh. So I think psychologically, I can't sell something. Even if I were to retire, I couldn't sell the 3% the year. I love it. So I think, I think for real estate, yeah. I think it makes sense because then at least I'd have some cash flow that is coming anyway. And, uh, and it forces years, you to, yeah. You'll, you'll you know, be, uh, I don't know, what, like 95? How old are you? 30? 30 years? Yeah. I don't know, 100 and... <laughs> <laughs> I'd carry the two. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, if it, then these properties are paid off, too. I, I mean, yeah. not necessarily... I mean, when you're retired, that's great. Imagine, I mean, I was talking to somebody... Like, I mentioned that wholesaler yesterday. Mm. So he's got, uh, I don't know, 20 properties or something like that. And uh, uh, I think he's uh, I, about 80% paid off relatively close to retirement mm-hmm. and uh probably somewhere in the neighborhood of um you know i guess without disclosing too much um multi hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in just passive income doesn't have to do anything mm-hmm. every year but the interesting challenge or issue that he has is he's like kevin i want to do something and so it's such a weird thing to yeah. see that in him who's you know in his I don't know how old he is, 60, 65 or something like that. Uh, you know, we, we think, oh, we're going to retire when we're 65. I couldn't retire. I don't yeah. think I could retire no. either. You know, he, and he's in that place where it's like, I don't have to do anything. The, the properties just pay for it. You know, you buy them and over time you pay them off. Now they're paid off. Now what? And I was like, what's the next thing? He keeps asking me, Kevin, what am I going to do when I grow up? <laughs> uh, and, and it's like, it's really interesting. It's uh, There's something just about working. I don't know. I can yeah. retire either. People always Maybe ask the same me, way. What's the, the, the most common question I get, Kevin? What's what's the number where you're just like, that's it, sell everything and retire? <laughs> you know, it's like it's not about a number. The whole game for me is not about a number. It's, yeah, Graham, you have a number. I did. No, at first I looked through my old Reddit posts. By the way, Ten from mil. like, uh, no, it was five. Oh wow, it was five. And this is when I was probably twenty-two or twenty-three. 
And I remember posting on the financial independence subreddit. I'm like, you know, five million would be my number. That would be enough to get like a nice, like one and a half million dollar place in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. You could invest the rest in rental property, and that would be enough. Um, but yeah, and then it was ten. Uh, now it's going to be. I mean, I don't have a number, but Not you know, milestones. Twenty, I think, would be just the next t- milestone just to hit. Yeah. But I think a hundred. A hundred to me big, seems man. like yeah, Dude, a tenth of a. A tenth of a billion, yeah. That's that's big, man. But I just want I just want to see the hundred. Uh-huh. No, okay, so how? <laughs> but it, it wouldn't change anything. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't change. Anything. No, that's the thing. Is it, it, if anything, it just gives you an opportunity to to start businesses or to do things that you couldn't have otherwise done. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the whole like the Elon Musk like tax the rich thing and stuff like that? I don't know if you want to talk about that. If that's now we can talk about what about yeah. it specifically. Well, just. You know, there, uh, there's there's all of this talk about okay, we should raise taxes on on people who have over a certain net worth, or tax people based on their net worth. Oh, the yeah. wealth tax. Does, yeah, the wealth tax. Does that disincentivize people from yes. from doing projects or working? Yeah. Hard? I gotta say, if the ta- if the, well, yes and no, because if if the tax rate were high enough for me, I'd spend it. So mm. if let's say the tax rate was ninety percent, if I didn't spend it. You guarantee I'd be spending all of it. <laughs> That's true. What would be the point? Yeah. So there's got to be a middle ground between uh, where the tax rates make sense to encourage spending, but not enough to disincentivize saving. And I remember a while ago, I was doing research on like, like the capital gains tax, and it was 28% was found statistically to be the point where it would, it would encourage you to hold on long term, but not enough to incentivize you to sell. So it was 28%. I'm sure that also exists with taxes. To me, I think 37% incentivizes saving with the mindset that most likely it's going to be going up. So I'd rather save at 37% and spend later when it's 50%, let's just say, and it's, and it's worth more. Or you're in California already at 50%. Or you yeah, 52 <laughs> I think it's 52%. Probably, yeah, uh, or it's, it's actually, it's 50, what was it, 57, 58% if you count short-term capital gains with a net investment tax. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because and, and then you're also losing other benefits. Uh, Correct. Yeah, that's good. So Obama it was almost, tax. it was, or no, it wasn't it. 60 oh it would it would it would have been 62 percent had they raised it back up to 39 oh, wow. point yeah it was it was insane but at 62 percent i'd be spending it um and i would just i buy whatever just yeah. because i'm like you know well, i may I mean, as well hey, yeah. maybe the argument there is would that generate jobs or that, and that's the, the thing too yeah. potentially so i think a higher tax rate would encourage more spending that sure. would benefit the economy but huh. What is the cost of not saving, or what is the cost of um, not reinvesting long term? Now, what uh, what about the uh, another concern I had with like the plane idea is like, oh my gosh, but like, what if next year you get canceled, right? And now you have a plane, yeah. and and that liability does that ever cross your mind? Oh that, my like, god, all the time like, because it could all just go away. Tomorrow. You don't realize how fast things could change. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go into examples, but I've had probably three times throughout the last few years that I could think of where I thought this is it. Um, And it's just and but it's insane how quickly things could change. Like people will love you one day and and one comment or one thing comes up and it's tide turns. And uh, and there's very much a ripple effect where it's like you say the wrong thing. And then people have to disassociate themselves because then it reflects on them. And in a way, it's like, I get it. If, if let's say, you know, I'm, I'm not accusing you of it, but let's just say something comes out with you. Sure. And, you know, Kevin's made out to be the bad guy. We would almost have to disassociate ourselves because if we work together, then it's like, well, you're supporting someone who did this sure. or said this, even if you're 
uh, not guilty of it, even right. if it's just an accusation. I disagree with it. Does that matter if the <sighs> public perception says otherwise? If everyone believes something to be true, even if it's not, do I want to insert myself there and say, well, and, and that becomes the balance. It's like, what's worth fighting for? What's not? And yeah, I, uh, I had this um, really good, in my opinion, video that I, I spent days on making and it was everything about my campaign platform. And I've had B-roll in it about what's wrong with California's water situation or homeless situation or whatever. Uh, the video was about 45 minutes long, and I think it was one of my best uh, in terms of the problems and solutions for California. But one little part of it made a reference. Uh, it, it had B-roll of the homeless issue in California and Ben Shapiro talking about how bad the homeless problem is in California. Yeah. He was right about everything he said about the homeless problem, and the B-roll was perfect. That one clip made a lot of folks think that, uh-oh, Kevin support, supports Ben Shapiro. We can't vote for him because we don't like Ben Shapiro. Yeah. And, and it's like, ah, <laughs> like, you got to be kidding yeah. me. Like, what he said was about homelessness, and he was right about what he said. Don't you agree? Don't care. I hate Ben. Therefore, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's scary, honestly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've talked to Jack about this, too. It's just like, it, it's, and it's always the things like you're very careful. Like, I am so careful. Even... I'll be honest, like even something having a drink. Oh, this yeah. is this is one of the few times I've ever been on camera drinking anything. I don't swear. I don't drink. I don't do anything. And I'm so I script everything I, I say. So it's you know I'm really careful about what I say and what I want to put out there. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. can someone misinterpret this? And as careful as you could be, sometimes the thing you'd never even think would be an issue is an issue. And it's like, well, I didn't mean it that way. It, it, that wasn't my intention. But I could see how someone could perceive it that way. And it just it is what it is. So I've basically taken the approach that like every month, I'm just month by month at this point. It's like mm. every month you could be perfect be and thankful for what you have. Okay. Yeah. So like mentally I'm preparing myself for like, and I hate to like ever will something into existence, but yeah. I never want to think of something like, oh, I screwed this up. But, uh, you know, I, I just always think to myself, I, I'm really grateful for where I've gone so far. I've gone way further than I ever would have expected. And if something were to happen, I'd be really happy with, with the point up until what then. What you've done. That's a good right. point. It's like you're reaching like checkpoints in a game and you're saving your progress. And like, I did really right. well at that point of the but game. But that's why I've saved everything. You die it's here, like, it's fine. You but, say, <laughs> but that's why I've saved everything. It's because I know, um, you know, one thing or, you know, guilty or not, one uh, thing could completely, everything could stop. So what about yeah. um, if you had to start over? Let's just say you or I or both of us got canceled or whatever. Like we got canceled over this interview or whatever. Both of us. Would, would you start over? Or would you just, that's fine. I'll, I'll take my dollars, throw it into, you know, a dividend stock and just... Depends. I, I think it depends on what it would be and how bad it would be. I mean, I would hope that there would be... Like you're deleted would be... from YouTube is the scenario. You got deleted Gosh. from YouTube. Okay, just... Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I did a podcast with Ryan Pineda and he asked me, like, if you're not doing YouTube, what would you do right now? Okay. And I said music. Oh, wow. So I do music. Okay. Okay, yeah, so, so really. as a passion yeah. project or to, like, really try to I, make I can't do anything without the purpose of making money behind <laughs> it. So, I, like, I find a way to make money from it. Good. But I would be doing music. Dang. Yeah. Oh, music and coffee. Music and coffee, <laughs> the, yeah. The brand survives. Yeah, I, do, I do music. <laughs> what about but you? If I got canceled? Well, yeah. Well, I'd still have to work. I'm not at, quite <laughs> at that point yet where I would just chill. But uh, I'd probably reach out to Andre and be like, yo, Andre, you need some help? Uh, <laughs> oh, find another job. Okay, Yeah, gotcha. find another job or something okay. like that. Or just yeah. do my own. Well, actually, no. Why I'd didn't you say Kevin? Well, because you got canceled. Oh, oh, oh. As yeah. We're all canceled. Yeah, oh, oh, right. okay. You know what? <laughs> Who would be worse to get canceled? Me or... Me or well... 
Who would be worse? But yeah, you. because well, <laughs> like I, I was about to say, like if you got canceled, oh, I couldn't I need this more. Probably, I, yeah, but I, but like <laughs> so. I couldn't do the podcast with it without you. I mean, that would be the thing, and then you know, I don't know. If you oh. got canceled, I, I would I would probably I'd call up Nate O'Brien. And I'd be like, man, please join me. <laughs> He's like, nah, sorry, man, I'm only posting once every other yeah, month. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a great lifestyle. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I look we, up to we him. went to Vegas with him at this point years ago. It was eighteen or nineteen or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was in two thousand eighteen. Uh, and uh, I remember walking with him. It was ice cold outside too. Mm-hmm. But he was so happy, and it was just so carefree, which was so wonderful because he had no stress at all in his no. life. And just uh, it's like, yeah, you know, I post what I want. And I'm like, well, what? You, so you don't have a schedule? No. Yeah. Well, what do you do? Oh, I just travel with my car and I go places and do whatever I want. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I wish I but could you, do that. But you and know I can. You but, I why, but I don't. But, but you know what? The thing is, I don't think you would. You wouldn't be happy with that. Nate would hate your life. Oh, yeah. He would hate so he it. Would the hate the it. schedule, yeah. the constant responsibilities. I've seen like what, what he's about. He loves the no obligation. And I, I envy him, too. I'm like, he has all of his stuff in a, a, it. Basically, he could fit, fit it in the back of his car, and that's it. That's all of the stuff he has. It's not complicated. I and you could go anywhere at any time. But uh, I don't think I would be happy with that, oh. of, of not having that strict schedule, having that obligate. Like, I like that to, to go back to. So almost like a different definition of happiness for everyone. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But I think all of us would like to be Nate. Um, yeah. But I don't know if we would be happy with being Nate for more than like a few days at a time. Okay. I, I think it's a yeah. different type of happiness. Because yeah. when I talk to Nate like off camera and everything, he is, like you said, the most chill person yes. and he seems so happy and just stress-free at all times. But then sometimes I'll talk to other people, like I'll talk to you off camera and stuff like that and you're stressed out sometimes. <laughs> oh my God, all sometimes. Uh, yeah, all sometimes, so like, all of us. All so like you could say that every person has their own idea of what happiness is, but I also think that like, like there is a really like, a, I think there is a, a, an objective truth to balancing work and life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything's the balance, right? Right. And it's just tough to to find that balance. And also there's another thing I want to point out. uh, I wanted to point out, but it was, um, I think that it would be really tough for you guys to get canceled because I think the finance people, the people that consume finance content, all that they care about is your credibility Hmm. of uh, the credibility of what you're saying. Right. So like, for example, if you guys did like something sketchy, like fraud, or you guys were sellouts, or you guys pumped something, something like that, that could cancel you yeah, guys. Like a coin, far, right? Like you exactly, made a coin yeah. and you frauded everything. Exactly, right? but yeah. I think you guys are way too yeah. smart to do something like that and just moral. Yeah. But as far as like saying something maybe like not so PC or something like that, oh. I honestly think people would not cancel you because they're here for the information more than they're here for like the personality, just in general. Oh, that's an interesting so POV. That's, I mean, that's yeah. that it makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, but sometimes you don't know exactly. Like, like seeing uh, Ellen be canceled. That was she got canceled. Yeah. Oh, wow. You haven't seen that? That was big <laughs> for mistreatment of employees. Oh, I yeah. heard about that. I never really liked it. And she, she stepped away from her show. I mean, she said she was going to. I'm sure she was going to do it anyway at some yeah. point. But it's like, well, if I do it now or five years, I may as well just right. do it now. Yeah. Or like, the, the uh, I mean, I don't know uh, enough about this to really go deep in it. But even like. Andrew Cuomo like could you imagine yeah. like both of the Cuomos yes. right? right like True. one's got a solid gig at CNN the other one's got uh, uh, you know he's the, uh, he's, he's well in politics and well established in politics right. and then just to go from like and honestly people would watch Andrew Cuomo and his COVID briefings 
uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. I don't know if you guys did, but like March and April and May of the beginning of the pandemic, I remember Lauren and I would be like, oh, what's what's Andrew Cuomo got to say? Because like New York was like yeah. the epicenter. It was like, I remember when I lived in Florida listening to like the hurricane forecasters. Okay, it's now category five. It should make landfall at 7 a.m. And like getting that, that up to the minute update was always so like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And I remember watching him and, and I thought his briefings were, were good. I mean, obviously now in hindsight, we're like, okay, some things maybe weren't the best. But, um, and again, I'm not trying to get political on the podcast, but just to think that you could be at such a, a place where mm-hmm. people are watching you and care about what you say and then literally now. Yeah, fired yeah. from but, CNN. But the thing is, brother, it's, it's a herd mentality too. It's if uh, everyone else hates him or her or whoever it is, then you should too. And 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 what's what's crazy well, they can is it villainize you if you support yeah. them. That's right, right. But it's it's I've noticed too, and you know this as well on YouTube. It's it's if if there's good information or if there's something positive, people won't watch it. If it's negative, people will watch it. Uh, if there's drama, they'll watch it even more. <laughs> and so some of our most viewed videos, unfortunately, they're they're the videos with drama or they have some sort of emotional spike in the video. It's like, what did this person say to this person? Why are they angry? Why don't they like this person? And it's something that I think people inherently get really invested in that. That's true. And uh, opinions are, are really hard to change. Like it could be, you yeah. could have a positive opinion. It's hard to change a negative opinion about someone. That's a good point. That's so, a really good point. Now I want to jump. I want to ask you, uh, when are you ever going to go into margin? Maybe I'm only asking you because I just recently went back into margin. I feel bad about it. Oh, I'm so heavy in margin right, right now. Yeah, I'm so no, upset. I, ASMR. No, margin. no, no. Yeah, I was worried about you for a second because I know you went you went in margin. How much? Five million? Three million in margin? Right now, uh, if I net out cash, because yeah. I have some cash at different brokerages, I'm about three and a half. Three and a half. And I knew that, uh, well, why watching your live streams, that you invested like all of your money during the recent dip. Yes. And then it kept dipping for those extra two days. Oh, and I, I could tell I like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh crap, did I just spend everything a little bit too soon? <laughs> sure. Oh yeah. Uh, and then the market just rebounded. Sure. But uh, yeah, no, I don't want to mess with it. It's just the stress. It's It's very just stressful. like, I don't want to do that. It's not worth it. I would, I, was, I would go into margin to buy like that real estate deal if I needed to I temporarily would go, gladly yeah. do that yeah. if I knew that like okay you know I'll be able to pay it back off and you know X amount of months or whatever yes. it could be but that would be it that's a good point yeah I uh, because from now uh, I mean the tax bill is going to be insane I don't even know what to do yet uh, and so I have to pay off my margin for tax time so that way I can now go fully in margin again <laughs> just to pay my taxes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, taxes are, are always an interesting thing, especially in California. See, you got out of California. Lucky dog. One last question. Please. And then we could turn it on you if you have any questions for us. Well, but what are your thoughts on the metaverse? Ooh, uh, well, uh, I think uh, for now we're going to be in this spectacular phase of ridiculous speculation, <laughs> mostly. Everything's going to be extremely speculative. There are some really practical applications in the metaverse that I think are going to be really cool. So, for example, Jack, your dad uh, does, I'm not sure if he still does, did uh, appraisals. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, that was his career. And uh, I think it would be phenomenal if... We had uh, like Matterport scans of, of, let's say, a property, and he could essentially like teleport or just appear in that scan of a property with, let's say, the listing agent, and they could walk around that property just wearing like a VR headset and, and VR stuff. So it's as if we're having this conversation, but it's all digital, but I can also walk with you around a space. So it's kind of like, oh, what's what's over here? What's what's over there? Uh, that I think is going to be our first sort of practical application of the metaverse, where it's kind of like 
going to spaces or inviting people to a space. That could be home appraisals. That could be concerts. I think will be very, very popular. It could be, hey, let's visit the Great Wall of China. I'm never going to China. I think I'm going to get killed if I go to China. I say too much crap about China in my live streams. So again, like I reached out to, to Neo and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. we'd love to, to, to like do a video with you or whatever talking about Neo. Let's do it in Norway. <laughs> Really? They're a Chinese company. Wow. Yeah. So okay. uh, anyway, so I don't want to go to China, but I want to go to China, right? And if I could do that in the metaverse and I'm at home and it's like, hey, Lauren, it's five o'clock. What are we going to do? Oh, let's go to the Great Wall of China. Let's go watch, a, I don't know, you know, a, a Chinese show, like a performance or whatever in the metaverse. That I think is spectacular. Yeah. I think it's going to go in that direction. I was, I thought it was stupid initially. Yeah. And then, and then I spent that weekend doing research yeah. and Afterwards, I was like, this is going to change everything. Oh, yeah. And I remember during COVID, we would sometimes play those games on, uh, I forget what, what that was called, uh, whatever game that was We'd called. Zoom and then go yeah. to that website right. and play the game together. Yeah. Right. But imagine being able to put on a screen and both of you are here and we could do this virtually and it would all be recorded. We could kind of set up our virtual cameras anywhere at any, you know, the lighting would be perfect always. Or to be able to go into an office and you put in that headset and your office is there and everyone's around you who's working and you could share documents instantaneously. So I could see exactly what you're working on. You could see what I'm working on. We could share. Um, I, I think eventually this could be 20 years down the line, but eventually I think office space yes. could be decimated by this. Oh, if, yeah. if eventually you just put on a headset and, and you're, you're in the there yeah. and everyone's around you, it's, it's going to, well, I, you know, I think real estate's always going to be a bit of a local market. So like oh, places yeah. like, you know, by by the beach, are always going to be you know in in desire. But uh, yeah. office space—that's really interesting because see, one of the problems with office space is you want to have this balance between like having your own like cubicle, like sealed off thing, but then wanting to be with people. But the problem is when you have too much of an open concept and like you're working on a project, and then every two minutes somebody comes up to you and talks to you and mm. like has an opinion or a comment or a question or whatever, now you can't be productive. Mm-hmm. But if you were in the metaverse, you could probably, I'm guessing, just like... Do not disturb. Push a do not disturb mode yeah. and you're like red. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't hear You'd be red, but else. there would yeah. be like a poke button where yeah, if yeah. like you give three pokes to this person, <laughs> then it then it it's disables. It's an emergency or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you only get one of those uses in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I one of, it's one of the reasons in in real estate, I, and I've been really fussy about real estate. Uh, I only want, and, and people get mad at me for this, but I only want SoCal, uh, and people get mad at me about this. And then, like, I've considered Austin and Florida, and maybe I'll expand in the future. But I look at it as like I just want the Mediterranean climate, and I believe that if I buy properties that are in the Mediterranean climate, which is only in seven percent of the world, SoCal is the only place in the United States that has the Mediterranean climate. Then, then I guaranteed have at least a reason people will always want to move there. I'm not reliant on the Ford factory. I'm not reliant on the office space over there or whatever. I don't I'm reliant on the weather, which this is the only place you can get in the United States. So I love At that. what cost? If that becomes too expensive, people mm-hmm. are going to give that up. Oh yeah, I mean don't get me wrong, like I was just in uh, looking at a fixer upper in Santa Barbara. I might post a video on it, but I looked at a fixer upper in Santa Barbara and it was um, $950,000. For a three and two, 1100 square feet, tiny little 1950s, mm-hmm. cracked foundation, total fixer, disaster, right? $950,000 for this. I get there, it's a circus. Everybody's got their home Because it's under a million dollars. Oh my gosh, yeah. under a million, right? And I'm like, I think, and I said this in the video, I'm like, I think this is going to sell for like 1070 or something. 
So I found out from the listing agent that even she was blown away. She was getting offers for like eleven fifty, wow. and I'm like, "This is insane! Like, it doesn't even make sense to try to flip something like this anymore." Uh, and so, there, I do think, and I, so I asked her, "I go, are these flippers?" She's like, "No, there's no margin anymore. Are they yep. rental investors?" She's like, "No, these are just people who have they want to live there, and they have cash, and they have the cash." Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I do unfortunately think that. Because this is a common complaint in California. It's like, oh, well, it's unaffordable to live here. I have to move. I shouldn't have to move is, is the argument people mm. make. Like, why do I have to move? And it's like, well, unfortunately, in a capitalistic society, that's the way it works. If a place is really desirable and people want to live there, they're going to pay for it. And if you can't afford it, that means you have to move. And it sucks, but I think that's going to continue happening. So I do think that uh, like SoCal Real Estate is a special investment, especially where we're filming right now in mm. Ventura yeah. is, is a hidden gem mm-hmm. because you're getting – the Santa Barbara, the San Diego weather without the LA homelessness. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I never would have said this about Ventura, but I, I really like it. I knew you would, Graham. Jack, but you know what? I uh, knew when you I, would. When I was going to the Oppenheim Group every single day, <laughs> I never would have bought up here, ever, because it's too far. But with the shutdowns and like not needing to go anywhere, I like it. Like it, it's the best, man. Part of me believes that if I could snap my fingers and turn that house where I have now in West LA and get... I would get an even nicer place here. I, I might do it. You know, it's it's nice. I I believe it. I believe it now. I, I see it. Yeah. 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 It's it's uh I don't know. And maybe I'm biased living here, but look, I grew up in South Florida. I I know Florida weather. Mm. Uh, I know there are some wonderful things about Florida. I feel like it's a lot more of a free. Uh, you can do. You could get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the town I grew up in was very cowboy. Everybody had a horse. Everybody had so a gun. Uh, and uh, even the police force still had a mounted unit, like Davy, Florida, like really, really country. So I feel like I grew up with uh, cowboys, cowboy hats, belt buckles. I've got my Tesla belt buckle on, <laughs> uh, and and boots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very, very different from from uh, California. But this little part of California. Some people call it Ventucky instead of Ventura yeah. because yeah. It, it has a lot more of that, like that cowboy esqueness, yeah, it does, yeah. uh, and that freeing feeling. So, all right, Kevin, the question everyone is dying to know the answer to: How much money are you making this year? <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, well, I wish I had a CPA to give me an exact, uh, which that's why we're hiring one in person. There's still so much accounting to do, but uh, it's probably going to be in excess of about twenty two this year. No, yeah. And you're talking? Are you talking are you about kidding? stocks? Are you Every, counting stocks? No, 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 not. Counting stocks, like just ordinary income. What? How? Uh, well, we started doing uh, brand sponsorships now. That has helped a lot because I do a lot of videos. So that's, that's I've noticed almost every day you do a sponsor out oh, of like yeah. your five Is it videos. one sponsor a day? Usually? Oh, no. I mean, I could do three a day because oh, I'm posting, if I'm posting geez. like eight videos. Jack. <laughs> I thought you were about to say like 10 to 12 and I was like, all right. That's nuts. It, I Kevin, really, I was hoping to, to to double that what we had last time that we talked about because last time it was it was uh, it was like how many Kevin makes it was like two million dollars. No, it was a like what that that one million a month, and it was one time I hit one million a month. Right? <gasps> oh <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had a three million dollar month? Yeah. Oh, oh my sh- god. You know what sucks? Are you kidding me? You know what sucks, Kevin? Honestly, we've. Like secretly, I've always had this. I feel like this bit of a, like a rivalry with you, where I uh, like I kind of look at. What, I know you look at what I'm doing. I look at what you're doing. We're like, how could we one up each other? And I've given up. <laughs> I just seriously, man. For a while, I 
back when you were oh, doing yeah. the stimulus updates, Jack yeah. was like, Graham, so, you know, Kevin's doing like 20 mil views a month. I'm like, but he's doing five videos a day. Yeah, yeah no, he so was just yeah. totally I'm like, I know I can't just, you know, do yeah. that, but, you know, I'm doing well this year. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, so, it's like... It, it, when we're like this, so I could be like, all right, well, I could compete. You know, I could push myself that much. When it's like this, so, crap. So you've done a $3 million a month. And this is funny mm -hmm. because the first title we did was How Meet Kevin Makes a Million a Month. The second no. video was How Meet Kevin Makes Two Million a Month. This video, How Meet Kevin Makes Three Million Gosh. a Month. Gosh, it's, it's it's that much from well, and that was that was a, a those were like peak months. That's definitely yeah, not but, an average. But yeah, I, yeah. I guarantee throughout this next year, now that you have the efficiency, because I've been seeing more of the sponsors in the mid up that you've been pre filming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're doing five videos a day, and you have someone who's really on you with the sponsors, you could have like an eighty to one hundred percent fill rate on your videos with sponsors. Mm, that's true. I only yeah. do a few a month because I don't. Insane, man! You go down to two, and then you can have every single video filled with a sponsor. And you'll make so much more money. But I feel and like your I content will be better. Yeah, but but the issue with Kevin is that uh, Kevin's doing so many of them that he could just like. But your content will be better, and you'll make more money. For like Kevin, right now, like maybe half of your videos are sponsored, if that. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, for me to have half of my videos like the same ratio, I would only have like one every other. Gosh, Kevin. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it's, Congratulations, man. Thank that's you. that's incredible. Yeah. It's uh, it's also a problem because then I think you you have brought this up in your videos. It's like that hedonic treadmill. Yeah. Where it's like oh now I gotta now I gotta beat that. Like now that's the norm. Now I gotta. Yeah, beat that. and you know what the thing is uh, too, Kevin. Like I, your sponsors, um, they like they don't even bother me, and and I worry with my audience too that they get bothered by sponsorships. But I I, I see yours, and I'm like. They've reached out to me too. There's almost all of them that you've done. Almost all of them I've worked with too. So I know the talking points. Mm -hmm. I know what you hit. I'm like, sometimes your sponsor. Do you have someone else scripting them for you? Uh huh. That's why. Because they're good. Huh. They're they're good sponsorships. Nice. So they yeah. just give you the ad and you literally just read it. I like can't stand dealing with any of that. So like I this is why I like having people in person. So there's one person that's like Kevin, do this right now. Here's the prop now. Film it for me. And then he sends it off for approval, puts the little graphic edits or whatever, and then, uh, then you know, uh, for another video, it'd be like, okay, now this one's approved. Here's the link you have to put in the description. Here's the clip. <laughs> mm. And you, how far ahead do you film these? Two days, four days. Okay. Yeah. That's insane. Kevin, congratulations. Kevin, it's okay. It's not okay. Yes, it is okay, man. No, it's not. Why? He's your friend. Be happy. No, for I am. Friend. I'm happy for him. But like, but usually there, there's a point where Kevin could get to where I'm like, all right, I, I can get to that too. I can't post five videos a day. <laughs> I, I, he's, he's productive in ways that I don't even know is possible without like stimulants of some sort. You don't. I, and I can attest to this. Kevin will wake up in the morning at five a.m. He'll he'll stay up until two. He'll wake up at five and be like, I have so much energy. I'm just gonna go on a run. And he'll go on a run for like several miles, come back. It'll be 7 a.m. He'll take a shower. He'll get a video done like 7.30. I can't do it. It's, gosh. All right. Sorry. Congratulations. Wait. Happy Thanks, for you, Kevin. <laughs> but uh, got to, I got some thinking to do. That's all. <laughs> well, I think good to good. end on that, Kevin. Thank you so thank much you for so coming much. over, Kevin. It is awesome to shoot with you. Also, happy Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Yeah, Merry Eve. Christmas Eve. <laughs> Thanks, all. So Looking with that to. said, you guys, thanks so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe. Get your free stock Hit down the like below in the description. Button. 
Subscribe to Kevin. <laughs> Subscribe to Kevin. Check out his content, guys. And his TikTok. <laughs> and hit the notification bell. And with that said, until next time.